It doesn't say record. Does it say well, record? It's been recording for seven seconds. So this is the perfect intro when we don't want to have to do any editing since we're recording on Friday. So thanks for that. So had some news yesterday up in Knoxville, joining League One, one Knoxville, hour and 45 minutes away from CHI Memorial Stadium. They'll be playing at the Regal Soccer Stadium that is on the Tennessee Complex. See, Omaha, you, you can't actually be done. You don't have to play in the cramped minor no, league no. baseball stadium. No, they really believed their owner when he said it was just about like NCAA regulations because they didn't think that maybe research a little. Keep going. Uh-huh. So, obviously, it's exciting. It's a quick trip up the road. Heck, even getting to Lexington next year is only a four-hour drive. That's not bad. You got Greenville. Uh, there's Richmond is a bit longer, but not yeah. impossible. Charlotte. North Carolina seems like there's a lot. Oh, and of course, you know, down to Tormenta, we had some friends make the trip last weekend. So it seems like there's lots of opportunities to take road trips, watch the Red Wolves. My question for you, Adam, is uh, what's the asset that you're bringing to the table on the long car trip? Uh, let's be honest. I bear, I'm not somebody you want on a long car trip. I take up a lot of room. I'm kind of a wider guy. I've got long legs. And uh, I'm loud, and I don't have any grasp at all of like an indoor voice. So my best asset is my willingness to drive alone. Soccer chat. That's two T's. Because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. So before we jump super far in, um, I did want to talk a little bit about One Knoxville and talk about the fact that they are a USL one team. Started in USL League Two last year was their first year. Kind of pulled a Northern Colorado and played kind of all over the city. Northern Colorado played like all over the state, but Knox One Knoxville played kind of all over the city. They are they were still be, always generally in the northern section of the state. So I, at I, least, I actually at mapped least there's that. Some of their locations were as much as 35 miles from each other, which is pretty nuts. Uh, <laughs> but one Knoxville kind of played all over the city. They are going to be in that one location. Um, they are not like coming out of an academy or they are not coming from a former team. And honestly, Knoxville didn't really have anything since um, their MPSL days, uh, you know, back when CFC left MPSL and all those clubs had to fold. Um they 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 didn't have anyone left from there. They used to kind of be the running joke that everybody would have loved Bob Martino if he had put a team in Knoxville, and maybe that's true. Because, uh, but uh, I'm pretty confident everyone's going to love this Knoxville iteration, and I'm glad we get to watch them. We don't have to travel super far. Um, there was actually another announcement related to teams uh, in Nisa, the the Clovers down in Savannah, which is close to where we were last week in Tormenta. Um, they've announced they're going to be staying in Memorial Stadium for their pro season. That'll actually be the closest opponent CFC will get um, for those Chattanooga fans that follow both clubs, which will be roughly the same distance it is for us to go to Tormenta, which is a drivable drive, but it'll be a longer drive than we're going to have for Knoxville, than we're going to have for Lexington, than we're going to have for Greenville. Um, so you got to feel pretty good about that. I think Charlotte is roughly the same distance as Tormenta. It's about an eight-hour drive to get to Charlotte, yeah. No, it's six hours. It's six so, hours. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, you yeah. would know. You have family in Charlotte. Yeah, I have family in Charlotte. I, I th- it, and it's about six hours to Tormenta, too, right? Or is it five? 
Uh, that depends on you know who's behind who's the driving. Wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not quite the same depends driving to Charlotte because you're how on many more of those, major uh, roads. Those parked SUVs you see in the median on uh, on highway. What, I can't remember which one it is that goes from uh, Macon to Savannah. Ten, I think it's I ten. Anyway. Yeah, and so the other the other thing that that came out <clears> this <throat> week and that I do want to also mention is FC Tucson announced that they are going back to League Two. Um, this is not a Tucson. this is not a Lansing situation, right? They're not going away completely. They also were not like Lansing, where where they were kind of made out of nothing for a minor league baseball owner. It's actually been sold back to the the rights to the naming and all that stuff has been sold back to the man the 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 uh, you know coach of the month in September for getting his team not in the playoffs. Um, it's been sold back to him, who was actually the original owner when they were in PDL and all that. So it's going back to the original ownership. The hope is that they'll be able to come up with a better stadium solution. A lot came out about their stadium, which had some couple weird things. I want to know what you think of these two things. You couldn't tailgate there. And if there was a storm, you weren't allowed back in the stadium even after it cleared. Do you think they had a reason to be bothered by that? Uh, Yeah, those aren't great rules. <laughs> Not sure why you couldn't make an exception to have the professional club play there. The one thing that it did have going for it is that it was uh, a regulation size field that was made for playing soccer, uh, which is more than some other teams in the league can say. Uh, it did also have the same amount of space on either side of the goal. That's a new thing uh, that I noticed over at Warner Park. We'll have to we'll have to get the I team uh, investigating that one. But anyway, so um, so a couple, couple different things. Some pro rel without pro rel, which is kind of funny because Tucson, you know, was terrible all year, and they're going down. And uh, Knoxville was really good, and they're coming well, up. Apparently, so. there was one month where they were amazing. Yes, yes, they they were just. It's because they got to play us, which we were the only team they were amazing against. Let's be honest. All right, so let's turn our, our attention to uh, this past weekend because that set the stage for this upcoming weekend. What happened in Statesboro? Man, so I think most people who know us well would relate to. Um, you know those family situations where you've done something and everyone's upset. They still love you. They still want what's best for you. But they they just need to get away from you so they can kind of stomp around and slam things for a while. Um, our, our wives can definitely relate. Uh, that That's kind of how I felt. That's why we haven't recorded until all the way to Friday. I, I needed time. You know, I needed to send them to their room so that I could kind of process... It was just such a flat performance. Yeah, they just, um, you know, we uh, Jimmy Weekly was uh, on soccer down here. Go check out that podcast. It's a quick, like, fifteen-minute interview uh, with. Uh, now I can't think of his name, but he's a great guy. Chris Nelson um, was talking with them uh, with Jimmy, and he was even talking about it's almost as if it was a bit of a letdown from qualifying for the playoffs the week before. Um, and they they just kind of came out and were like, okay, we're in the playoffs either way. And it just kind of allowed Tormenta to push the game in their face and put them on their back heel. And they never really recovered. 
And it was super frustrating because everything else fell the way we needed it to. Yes. Right. And that's, that's where I go in talking about all the frustrations. You go back all four years. There's always been something, you know, a three game losing streak that we had towards the end in, uh, in 2020 that kept us from being able to go up there the way that we finished last year, losing like three out of four, two out of three of our final games so that we couldn't yet again, we missed out on being second place by one point that would have allowed us to have a buy into the playoffs. And this one fell the same way. All we had to do was eke out that win. Uh, and uh, contrary to what the broadcaster seemed to understand, had we eked out that win, we would have been able to jump over Greenville with more wins and had the second place. And so, yeah, it was well, really, really frustrating. The other thing he didn't seem to grasp is if we had come figured out a way to win that, that Tormenta misses the playoffs. Like. <laughs> I was the whole broadcast. I kept like getting angry. I was like, "You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about." Like, like there's a reason yes. Northern Colorado is watching this game, and it's not because it means nothing. It me- they're sitting there going, "Please wake up, Red Wolves, and score three goals in the second half, so we can stay in the playoffs and Tormenta can go home." Like, yeah, me and me and Eamon both. Like that's what was crazy about it for a little bit there before Greenville managed to tie the game. It was literally a situation where if the game stayed the same score, Tormenta finished his second. If we came back and won it, Tormenta misses the playoffs. Like That's literally where we were at for a little bit there, which gives you an idea of how close these teams from second through fifth really are. Um, like that, it, Last game of the season, the team that finished third could have been out of the playoffs. The team that finished fourth could have been second. Like. The, the team that, that, that finished six could have missed the playoffs completely. Like, so much there, right? Right. But at the same time, I don't know that that means these teams are really that close on the field. I feel like, like for the for the Red Bulls, for example, we have three losses to a team that's no longer even going to be in League One. <laughs> like, um, and played versus the rest of the league like they were putting out a League Two team. Um, and we had three losses versus them. We gave up a ton of points late in games. Like there's a stat going out about Omaha giving up more goals in the after the 75th minute, but they didn't give up more leads after the 75th minute. That's that's something we get we get to take home as a victory. And and that says to me we actually set ourselves up pretty well going into these playoffs. When I look at the matchups and who we're going against, you know, this first game versus Omaha, we don't know the what's going on with New Who. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I don't really want to talk about Statesboro much. <laughs> um, it was bad. Yeah. So, no, I mean, there's really just not a lot to say. The one thing that I think I want to call out, there was a play where a ball had bounced awkwardly over the defenders. Carlos Avales, well off his line, but turned out to be outside the box. And he gave a little jumping header, headed the ball over to Timmy Mel. Um, in I, I mean, I guess really with the result, it doesn't work out so great. It doesn't count as a save, but it should have been nominated for save of the week just because it was such quick thinking. I, You know, high school goalkeeper Alex would have probably put his hands on it and then been all frustrated because then he realized he was out of the box. And he got a red All card. those sorts of yeah. things. Um, but yeah, but uh, Carlos having the wherewithal to realize he was out of the box going up and just giving it a quick little nod over to Timmy Mel to get it out to safety. That was a really cool play. Uh, and then a lot of the rest of it, I think the other big thing um, the broadcaster talked about 
uh, starting Juan Galindrez uh, and Jimmy Weekly thinking about whether he should have and, and maybe not. And, you know, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But the moment he came on the field in the 75th minute, my wife was like, look at him. He is David Teixeira, I should say. David Teixeira subbed in. She said he's he should have been playing this whole game. He's so dialed in. And it was true. He was probably the most attacking chances we saw from anyone in the entire game. Uh, and it was kind of a bummer that he was only able to be out there for that 15 minutes instead of maybe the first 60. And that's the, th- the other thing I would say. I know that we 100% should have been playing for second place. But somebody should have come up to weekly at halftime and been like, hey, unless we think we can score three goals here, we're finishing either third or second. Like, or third or fourth. Yeah. Are there any players you want to get a longer look at for that playoff game? And I think to share is one that I would have liked to have seen come in a little earlier mm-hmm. because and I've talked about this before. He's on a lot of the Instagram posts and the Twitter posts and all that stuff showing him working out. He doesn't have an injury happening. He's been on the bench the last couple games. He's gotten in late the last two games. If he gotten a good 30, 35 minute run, I think we may be talking about should he be getting a, a start in this game versus Omaha. I don't know that 15 minutes in a game where you're down two is going to give you enough to know what to do. Um, so let's, let's, do you mind? Let's, we go ahead and just turn right on to the playoff matchup with Omaha. Let's do it. All right. So Omaha is coming <clears throat> to CHI Memorial. If you are not aware, um, you've been hiding in a box because anyone who's taking the time to listen to our podcast, I feel like it's pretty, pretty dialed in with the team. But if you're not, there is a event going on at the stadium. Uh, gates will be opening a little early, starting around 6, 6 p.m. PM. They will start a trunk or treat with cornhole and for the kids and for the adults, as well as $2 beer for the adults only. Um, that will be October themed beers. So I'm guessing like Oktoberfest, those type of stuff. Um, so that starts at six. Tailgate will always be there starting probably around four um, as per usual, four through 430, somewhere in there. Um, game 730. After our victory, hopefully, you will also be um, treated with fireworks. Um, so head out to uh, the website. Reminder for all of us season ticket holders, your season ticket is no longer valid. It is for the regular season only. You do need to purchase tickets for this game. So make sure you go out and do that as well. All right. So I've given my little, my little uh, spiel about the actual game and, and all that stuff. Let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen on the field. What is the number one thing that you're looking at about Omaha coming into our into our um, den? Um, I think the biggest thing is kind of a clash of styles. We like to possess the ball. We like to build up, uh, even if sometimes it's kind of a long diagonal. Uh, you know, we try to draw people to one side and then force them to switch over with a long diagonal. Um, Omaha is have the goalkeeper get the ball in his hands, hold it for 20 seconds of the six seconds that he's allowed and kick the ball as far as possible. And then win the second balls. And so I think the big thing is because you actually have to have a midfield at our stadium because it's actual length and not a kiddie field that they have at Warner park is our midfield going to be able to pounce on those second balls. I have a good feeling that Timmy Mel and 
Daniel Navarro are going to do a good job in the air when a large amount of those duels as they cut, as the punts come down. Um, but is our, are our midfielders going to be in position to pounce on that second ball, allow us to take over possession and build up, or are we going to all of a sudden be chasing? Because when we get chasing, we tend to lose track of people. Um, defensively, I think they're going to do the same thing. You know, if it's not necessarily in the goalkeeper's hands, they're going to hit a long ball and they're going to try to come at us. They've got lots of speed and attacking play uh, in their forwards and, and they're going to come at us and hope that we make a mistake and turn off defensively. So I was trying to, to egg you on to talk about their number one goalkeeper because we don't know if he's going to be there. He hasn't played the last four matches and there's a stat on the USL um, preview. They've got like a, what this team, how this team will win the whole thing and how this team will lose the whole thing. Um, uh-huh. Article out there. And there's a stat that says with new who in goal, they're out averaging 0.9 goals per game, which is nuts. Without new who in goal, it's 1.5. When you're playing the second highest scoring team and you are one of the lowest scoring teams, that's pretty substantial. And I think that is the number one thing to look at is who is in between the pipes. If it is new who, it's a totally different game, I think, than if it's, um, and my mind's blanking on his name, if it's their backup keeper. Even even if you knew it, you wouldn't be able to say it. That's That makes me feel a lot better. Um, yeah, that, I mean, honestly, it makes me feel a whole lot better. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going with. Number 33. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to refer to him as, is number 33. Um, I also worry a little bit about soccer chat. I think he has always looked good against us. That's Alex Bruce, in case you don't know who I'm referring to. Whenever he comes in the game, he always seems to look good. I do not want it to be a game where he, they can bring him off the bench and him have a impact. Um and that's not just since he's been with Union. That's since he's been in the league. He's just one of those players that I'd rather just be on our team so he can stop hurting us. This is how I've always felt. It does seem like it's fate that Alex Bruce would play for the Red Wolves, but we'll just yeah. have to see how the offseason plays out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I watched a lot of the Union-Omaha Central Valley game because it started, you know, 5 o'clock, I think, something like that before our game. I had that on while also watching um, Alabama get let Tennessee beat them. Um, I don't think Tennessee actually beat them, but that's a whole other thing that people can hate me for. Um, but I watched a lot of that game, and even though if you look at the stats on that game, it, it shows that, that Union had 14 shots, only three were on target, and I don't even feel like there were that many. Like Their offense is just anemic. And I just don't see how a team, if we show up, that's the key. But if if we show up, I don't see how a team like Union Omaha can beat us. I don't see how a team that has only scored 34 goals, that is a one goal differential, beats us when we have scored 52 goals. Like, yeah. I, if, unless new who's there, I don't think it's close. I think it's a huge factor that it's being played at CHI. There is a true home field advantage in that stadium. And when you look back at the final five games of the season, the games where we scratch our head and say, what the, what the heck's going on with these guys? Yeah. All games that we played away. And 
the two games that they played at home of their final five, we battled back from two goals down to tie Richmond. And we had a completely dominant performance against Charlotte. And so the crowd's going to be just as big in this game. Uh, you know, I feel like with the stuff that they're, you know, that they're advertising, that they've talked about, uh, there's been good coverage from local news about this game. Uh, there isn't any competing events going on in town to try to draw away from that. Uh, so there's going to be a big crowd that is going to be very excited and it has the opportunity to be one of those virtuous circles. We are excited and pumped up and the players feel it and they get energized and play really well. And that causes the place to just blow the lid off. Um, and so I think it's the sort of game where they're going to come out. You know, we lost that one, nothing game uh, early in the season. That was gosh, I think back in like May yeah. When Omaha came here, they scored in the first couple minutes, and you could see the entire team deflate. And as the entire team deflated, the entire stadium deflated. Uh, it was what we would call a vicious circle in that situation. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen. We've got Timmy Mel, we've got Daniel Navarro, who were not on the field uh, at that time, and a lot of other really good attacking players, people that are, uh, I think, really revved up here coming towards the end of the season. Someone like Josue Espana playing really well. Carrera Garcia is looking fantastic. Uh, Mo Espinoza ended the season on a tear. So I think we've got a lot of guys who can have a positive impact and uh, <clears throat> inspire the crowd to give them that extra lift so that they're not turning off in those last few minutes like we've been afraid of in a lot of the games this season. So a couple stats that I want to mention, because no one seems to be talking about this. The League One preview didn't talk about this. Last six matches, which is not a small sample size in soccer, Union Omaha has three points. Union Omaha has a negative goal differential of negative four. They have scored six goals in six matches. They've given up 10. During that same time, we have 10 points. We have a positive goal differential of plus three. We've scored twice as many goals as them, and we've only given up nine, which means we've given up less and scored twice as many. If you go even further back, you go to the last 10 games. So that's like a third of the season, right? Mm -hmm. It's a pretty big chunk. Union Omaha, nine points in 10 games. A negative eight goal differential. We are sitting at 15 points in 10 games, a positive three goal differential. We are the better team right now, period. We've been playing better of late. We've been playing better for the last third of the season. We're at home. This should be an assumed victory based off those stats. We, we show up and we play our game. We should win this game. There's nothing about this that should be freaking you out. We're going like where Union Omaha's won four out of five or something like that, or they're playing really hot, mm -hmm. or they got a they got a, a striker back that we didn't see before, or they got no, they're worse than we they were when we saw them the last time here. We're in a better place than we were. Our you mentioned the crowd. The crowd is going to be in a better place. There will be no competition. It's going to be beautiful weather. Um you know, there will be some traveling fans from Omaha. I connected with a couple of people through Discord that said they're coming. Ty, the ticket guy, as always, hooked them up with some seats behind their their um, stands. So that'll be fun to have them there. But they're going to be silent because they're going to lose this game. And they're going to have a very disappointing drive or flight home. 
because this is the team that if our team shows up, we're the better team. And, and that's just a fact. Now, you mentioned the midfield. Let's start there as we're doing this playoff preview. Who do you want to see starting in the midfield as we go into this game? Uh, well, obviously, Carrera Garcia and I think Jimmy Villalobos, the way he's played all year, would be an excellent addition. Uh, should continue to keep to, to have that position. I would love to know if Ivan Gutierrez is healthy. I would love to see him. I don't know that he is because he's not been involved the last couple matches. Yeah, I don't. And he was great when he was here. So is it another injury bug? I don't know what it is. Um, and it may have been the sort of thing that's precautionary. Now, here again, if, if they play, if they put Josue Espana out there, I'm not going to be upset seeing Josie as part of that midfield three. Uh, I think he's done a really good job yeah. the last few games uh, as well. He's hustled hard, uh, gotten some good passing, uh, you know, started the attack well, works well with the other three. So, um, I mean, either of those two, I think, would be great. But I like what Ivan Gutierrez brings. And so if he's healthy, I would love to see him be able to be put on the field in this situation. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but I I would actually like to see Riley Kraft start. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he does a good job of receiving a ball and quickly getting it out to Rafa or Mo in the right position. He also, when he loses a ball, doesn't ever put his head down. He immediately goes back after it and is fighting for it. And yeah. I think when you talk about their strategy of where they like to kick the ball deep, I want a guy who is going to be in there and play in that, like, you know, the, the, the rough get your position, get your spot, get the ball type game, depending on the type of ref we get, right? Because it's League One, and a ref does have a lot of impact. But if the ref is letting them play like they should in the playoffs, I want a guy that's going to do that. Espana can do that too, right? Espana is not mm-hmm. a guy who's going to get pushed around either. I'm not saying he is, but I would like I, I just feel like Riley Kraft, I would just like to see it. I think it'd be a, a, a weird switch up. And then if it's not working, you have Espana that you can go to. You have Jorge Paez you could possibly go to to bring in more of an aggressive finisher. Cause I don't know that Riley's really a fit. Like I don't know that Kraft's really a finisher, yeah. um, but I, I know that Paez and Espana can finish. Espana definitely can finish. Right. Sure. Um, and the, the other thing I would like to see going away from the midfield, I would like to see David Teixeira start and, and have Juan as that bullet on the bench that the team, the other team has to be wondering when's he going to bring in, their leading scorer who is averaging the most goals per minute in the league because that's an impact. And if you can pair him up with bringing in like a Pedro Hernandez off the bench who Mm -hmm. really can play kind of a similar role that we've seen um, other players, I don't really know what happened to – oh, my mind just went blank. Ray Ortiz? Yes. I don't know what happened to Ray Ortiz. He kind of played that role. I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, so it could be an injury. It could just be he hasn't won his position during tra- during training. But if he's on there I, in, on the bench, a Ray Ortiz or a Pedro Hernandez coming in with Juan Galindres is what I would like to see. Is there anything else you would change on the top? No, I think that's the way that I would play that with with David Teixeira. You can you know if it if you get to halftime and it doesn't feel like it's working, Juan Galindres can definitely come off the bench and give you forty five minutes. If it is working. You can let uh, Teixeira go even further into like 60, 70 minutes and let Juan come in at the really, really tired end 
and uh, and you know put the dagger in at the very end. Uh, and so I think that that is something that would work. You, of course, yeah, Rafa and Mo on either side, it's been probably the best combination. And I would love to see someone like Ray Ortiz back on the bench because I think you're right. He brings a lot. Um, yeah. And I've been really proud of Pedro Hernandez. When he comes in, he works really hard. Um, I would love to see him get an opportunity to come back next year, have more playing opportunities. I think he has... Uh, shown the willingness to work and made an impact in the opportunities that he's gotten. Agreed. And so back line, any changes at all there? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, that includes Carlos. Like, there's just no reason to. Those guys are playing really well together. Um, I, I, the other thing I want to say is I really want to see Wally on the bench. And the reason for that is there are times if we're up one nothing and it's the 70th minute, I want Wally coming in. Mm-hmm. He's just got that defensive, settle, intelligent, doesn't make the giveaway pass. And I want to have that as a as a weapon on the bench as well. And it's a weird weapon, right? Uh, let's be honest. A guy who's a step slower than he was five years ago, right? He's had some injuries right. and he's gotten older. But a, a smart player. When And I like when him and Carrera Garcia are on the field together because the intelligence level of your, of your team is just through the roof. Like those are guys who just – their knowledge of the game – far surpasses anything I will ever dream to have. Um, and their new ability to take that knowledge and put it into action is amazing. I think there's times where there's passes that Carrera Garcia makes that don't get completed because he thought the right thing and the other player didn't see it. Like there's been times where he's putting a ball through for Mo and Mo went the wrong way. Right. Right. And I like go back and watch him like, yeah, that's on Mo. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like that was a beautiful pass. And if Mo had cut in and versus out, we'd be talking about how he opened him up, right? That's the same sort of thing with Wally, but on a defensive side, right? He knows, do I give it back to Timmy Mel or do I send it over to Cardona? Like he can see that and see, he can read like where that offensive player is going to fight to get to on a pass, back pass. And a lot of times I feel like we put in some risky back passes. A lot of times we send some risky back passes to Lombardi and, and Navarro. Yeah. Mel seems to see it coming, the risky back pass, and get there before it hurts us. Most of the time, there's been a couple that have been scores, right? Because it didn't uh-huh. happen that way. But those aren't coming from Wally. So I like him on the bench. I hope he's on the bench. I like Pedro on the bench because I think he's earned it, and I think he's just brings a spark when he comes off. So my only changes are Galindrez. And I would put in either Riley Craft or Paez instead of Espana just because I just feel like those are guys that are going to be a little bit more of a uh, of a kind of a Pittsburgh Steeler old school, like get in there fighter type guy for those balls that are going to be coming in from the defense and from the keeper. To talk about Carrera Garcia's intelligence on the ball, there's times where, um, I mean, I guess you would call it the tiki-taka, the, the little minute ball skill that any kid can go out in the backyard and work on that he has to a tee where someone would normally stick a foot in and poke a ball away, but he's able to pull it around and avoid all the traffic and make the pass. And there was a play that he made in the most recent game against Richmond where he was out towards the uh, sideline and had the ball. It was one of those where they play with the outside back in the winger and they have kind of a triangle that's up at the corner of the box. He dribbled himself in a circle, like literally took the ball dribbled in a circle because he could see that Ivan Gutierrez was coming towards the wing 
and he needed to give him time to get to the spot where he could pass him the ball. Gutierrez made the cross that then was dummied by Galindrez, and I can't remember who it was. That sc- I think it was Mo yeah, it was that Mo. scored. Yeah. Um, and so it was all like it all started from Carrera Garcia not rushing it, seeing where the players were and where they were going, and buying that time to be able to put him, uh, give him the ball in the position to make the play. And that's why we're unfortunately probably going to lose him next year to a championship team, and I'm going to be so happy for him. Yeah. I would agree with that statement. <laughs> All right, last thing before we do a quick preview of the Tormenta Charlotte game. Um, there was an Instagram video that the Rebels put out asking, who do you want to take your penalty if in the 90th minute in a 0-0 game? And a bunch of them said Juan, one said himself, and it keeps going through. And then it went through like a, a list of like five or six players that all said themselves, right? Which is fine. Then it got to Coach, Ob- not Obleta, Coach Weekly, and he's like, Mo. And I was like, well, now we know the answer. <laughs> we know who it's going to be. I would pick Wolfman Jeff. Of course. I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to do a quick look at Torment and Charlotte. And here's the reason why this is important to us. That game decides where we go if we win this game. Charlotte beats Tormenta. We go to Greenville. Tormenta beats Charlotte. We're going to Richmond because we're the four seed and they are reseeding this tournament. Mm-hmm. So that's important. When you look at the Tormenta Charlotte game, who do you have winning this sucker? I believe on that home field that Tormenta is going to have enough to overcome it. Charlotte, I think, even with a, you know, they had kind of a big win on the last week of the season against North Carolina that didn't have anything to play for. I believe they were playing that as their final home game of the season. Uh, and so. I kind of throw that one off to the side. The way that they ended, the way that we played against them uh, when they came here towards the end of the year, it wasn't the uh, the strongest finish by Charlotte. I think they're a good team, but I think Tormenta is really kind of riding high, getting to have that first playoff game at home that I think they're going to be able to take that game against Charlotte. So here's something I, ha- I hate to do to you. Last six matches, Charlotte is second in the league with 12 points. Uh-huh. Tormenta's right behind them, also with 12 points, but goal differential separates them by one. Charlotte plus six. Their opponents' points per game during that same time is almost neck and neck. Charlotte, 1.21 of opponents. Tormenta, 1.28 during that same time frame. These are two teams that are honestly a lot hotter than I think people realize. You go to the last Mm -hmm. eight games, um, Charlotte drops down to five, Tormenta to three. You go to last 10 games, Tormenta becomes the top team of the last 10 games. And that's where Charlotte falls off. Charlotte had a really bad run there in the middle because Charlotte goes all the way down to the eighth spot in the last 10 games um, because they didn't score any points, really, it seems like. They scored 12 points in the last six, and in the last 10, they've scored 13, which means those other four games, they scored one point. Okay? So you look most recently... Charlotte's it's they're not they're not going to be a, a run over team for Tormenta. This is not going to be a four nothing, three nothing blowout type game. Right. Also, I just don't we played terrible and they beat us by two. I don't see them blowing anyone out. I and I know I haven't been a fan of Tormenta all season and people have given me a hard time for that, but the fact is this is going to be a lot closer than I think people think. And I actually think Charlotte's going to go down there and surprise all 75 of the Tormenta fans that are in the stands 
Um, and it'll be a one nothing Charlotte victory is my my pronunciation. Nope. That's not the word. Yeah. So Maya culpa, and I'll say I'm going mostly based off of what I saw from the two teams in the last game. I never really thought that Tormenta would blow them out, but I do feel like, especially being at home, I think Tormenta has the ability to eke out a one nothing two one game uh, and come away with the victory on their field that apparently was being used as a driving range. I, there were so many divots and holes in that. Here's another reason why they should have just waited until next year and allowed all of well, that beautiful sod they laid out set and be ready for the next season. It's not like it's not like their other field was great. <laughs> like, no. Like, I don't think it was a massive drop off is what I'm getting at for uh for that field. <laughs> like like playing in a driving range versus playing in a you know in a mud mud splat, I think it's the same basic terribleness. Um, the last time they did play, Tormenta did win two nothing. So I will will say that, and that was in um, in Charlotte. So Tormenta has gone on the road and beaten them most recently. They got goals in the six and the seventy first minute. So this wasn't like a two goals in the last minute. Like this was a game that they kind of led the whole way. Just for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just my hope to have a Greenville away game because that was really fun last year, but I'm, I'm rooting for Charlotte here. I wouldn't be against it here again. Uh, I, I mean, I fully intend to follow them as far as I have to go. So what I'm really hoping for is a trip to Richmond and Greenville. Well, no. So I... I really want a trip to Greenville and then there and then Charlotte coming to us. So let's get to those well, sure. scenarios. That would be lovely. Let me give uh, you the scenarios. There's not a ton here, right? Right. All right. These are all assuming we win our games. All right. We're not going to give you scenarios for if we lose. I don't care at that point. Like as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> the playoffs are over. Okay. So the assumption here is we've won every round. This is what we need. This is what happens. We already told you Charlotte wins. We go to Greenville. Tormenta wins. We go to Richmond, okay? If Charlotte wins, we are rooting for Charlotte to beat Richmond because that means we would have a home game. In the final. The League One final would be at CHI Memorial. I would be camping Friday night in the tailgate zone, or I think Saturday because they play the final on Sunday. They play on Sunday, yeah. So if Charlotte run the table and we win our games, we get to host the final. That is the only way that we get to host the final. We are the four seed. We are playing the five seed. The only way we host is if it's the six seed that's in the final. So the other scenario is Tormenta goes ahead and wins this game. Right? Then we get to go to Richmond, beat Richmond, and go to Greenville. Because I don't want to go back to Tormenta. Yeah. (laughs) But if Charlotte loses their game, we will travel to wherever it is. So we will go to Richmond. We win that game. We'll either travel to Greenville or travel to Tormenta. Mm-hmm. That is what ends up happening. Um, if Charlotte wins and Richmond wins, we would obviously travel to Richmond if we beat Green if we beat Tormenta or not Tormenta Greenville. If we beat Greenville, we would travel up to Richmond for the final. If Richmond was to win their game versus Tormenta, if not, we travel down to Tormenta. Once again, the only way for us to host is if Charlotte wins both their games. You guys are all Charlotte fans if you think we can win our next two games <laughs> because it's a lot more fun to be at your own home stadium for a championship game. Here's the other cool thing if you're just a Chattanooga soccer fan. 
we have a we have a quarterfinal this weekend. Next weekend, Chattanooga FC will be hosting their semifinal. My understanding is the NISA final could be played here, and their final is on Saturday. We could legitimately have the following three back-to-back weekends. Quarterfinal League One playoff. Semifinal NISA playoff. Final NISA Saturday. Final League One Sunday. That would be nuts. It's not going to happen. Like One of those things is going to fail. Somehow... They're going to end up having to travel for their championship game because the other team wins because they're the two seed, right? Or we're going to have to travel. But it's p- literally possible that you could have both professional level three, if you include Nisa, um, teams playing a home final on the same weekend on separate nights, both probably gaining sellout crowd. Well, hmm, let me rephrase that. One having a sellout crowd, one having four to 5,000 fans, if not more because they play at 20,000-seat stadium. It's unrealistic to expect them to sell that out. Maybe they will, but eh, on a Saturday night, seems unlikely. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's football season. And I think that – is that the Georgia-Tennessee Saturday? I would have to do research, and that's yeah. not how things go here. Yeah, research is way overrated. But all that to say, um, it could be a really cool cool time in the Chattanooga area for professional soccer. Um, it could also be where we only have two games total. <laughs> we have we have our semi or our quarter, and they have their semi, and the games don't go the way we need to. Yeah, and that is a hundred percent. November fifth is the is the Tennessee Georgia game, and it's uh, hasn't been determined what time that's going to be. I can go ahead and tell you guys that's a night game. <laughs> like like they're, they're not they're not playing that one at twelve on Saturday. I can tell you that much. Um, so good luck to whoever's going against that in the South. Uh, Anyways, um, anything else you want to cover when it comes to kind of League One in general before we move on? One fact to keep in mind, and it kind of throws cold water. This this is you know basically our mission. So the first three years, the team that has finished at the top of the table in the regular season has gone on to win the playoffs and the League One uh, trophy. Uh, North Texas, I believe, was in first place in 2019. Greenville first place in 2020. Uh, that playoff course was a two-team playoff that the game didn't get played. And then Omaha, I believe, finished in first place last year. I I hate you being wrong all the time, but you're wrong. Am I wrong? I don't know. I just like saying it also. Uh, Greenville was number one in 2020. That's why they got the title, because there was no title game, COVID. Right. And yes, Union Omaha was number one. So yeah, all th- three seasons it's finished that way so this is the trend to break i mean three years is not it's is not a huge trend um and i think this year as we've talked about the way the table is bunched up it's the kind of year where it's anybody's game any of these six teams uh it's not out of the realm of possibility to see charlotte show up in richmond play really well and beat richmond on the road after beating tormenta yeah. Uh, so any any of these outcomes is not like I would look at you and say, well, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. These are all really good teams. There were probably seven teams that could have been playoff teams, one of whom just didn't quite have enough points at the end of the season uh, out of the 11 teams. It's a really bunched close table. Uh, so it's going to be a really fun playoffs for League One in that situation. I mean, all honesty, you go all the way down to eight with Central Valley at forty points. That's right. you know, that's only two points out of last place, um, and that's a you know, 
that's a lot of our teams, right? I mean, we only have 11 teams in the league this year. Next year, we're at 12. I'm assuming no one drops down or there's no other random announcements that no one sees coming, which I don't think there's going to be another announcement. So we'll be at 12 next year. But, yeah, I think you're 100% right. I just don't think Richmond – I don't know that Charlotte can beat Richmond, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, I think Charlotte can beat Tormenta. Um, I don't think they're going to beat Richmond. I think what's going to end up happening, if, if assuming we make it to the final, it's we beat Union, we beat Greenville, we have to beat Richmond, which, let's be honest, that's a gauntlet. right? Those, If you were to ask before the season started, any Red Bulls fans, who are the three most likely teams to have to fight for playoff position? It would have been Greenville, Union, and Richmond. Right. Like, those are the teams we would have mentioned. We wouldn't have mentioned anyone else. And uh, with good reason, because those really are the best teams. Um, and that's why I feel like the Charlotte, Tormenta, like Tormenta, I just don't think they're one of the top four. I think it's a, really a battle of five versus six. Like I said, we win our game. Tormenta misses the playoffs. That doesn't look like a powerhouse to me. Yeah. Um, so I think they can be beat. We'll see what happens. All right, let's uh, let's turn our attention here to uh, some other local news. What do you got for us? All right, we want to give a shout out to UTC goalkeeper Caroline Eckern, who was named the Defensive Player of the Week for the Southern Conference. Uh, up until earlier this afternoon, she had played seven conference games and allowed two goals against the entire time. Uh, so she's been playing really well. Unfortunately. They lost today to Wofford 2-0. So they were undefeated in conference play up until this afternoon. They still have a chance on Sunday at Furman. If they can get a win, They will be uh, that will give them their first regular season Southern Conference title in school history. So uh, good luck. Congrats on, on a great season so far. I believe after the regular season, there is a conference tournament. Uh, they would have to win that probably to get a entrance into the NCAA women's soccer tournament. So we'll have to cross our fingers about that, but uh, good luck on Sunday. Um, also, if you pay attention around town for the Tennessee high school ladies soccer, uh, it has gone through kind of the region playoffs for them. Uh, teams are now going to be getting into state playoffs and uh, starting next week, Starting around Monday, Tuesday, going all the way through Saturday, around town, there's going to be quarterfinals, semifinals, and of course, all the state finals are going to be at CHI Memorial, while hopefully we're on our way uh, either to Greenville or Richmond. Um, but they'll be, they'll be playing those games there, so if you stick around town, head out to CHI, get to see some of the best soccer in Chattanooga, uh, GPS, Baylor, CCS, all teams that have been ranked in the top 10 in the state going to be very good, very competitive, probably a factor. There is a team, uh, East Hamilton, who just won their region against Signal Mountain. Both of those teams are probably going to be uh, in the playoffs and do well. East Hamilton, the last two years, they were uh, a semifinalist, and the year before that, they were in the state finals. Uh, so they're a competitive team, even though they haven't been high in the rankings. Uh, and then a lot of the others as well. So Lots of good high school soccer coming to its uh, its end here at the best first professional soccer stadium in the state of Tennessee. All right. Um, I do want to mention the uh, the various classes are bit playing. Uh, class A is going to be at Chattanooga Christian for their games prior to the championship. 2A, girls prep. 3A, 
um, at Baylor School. That's for Division One. Division Two Class A is at Baylor. Division Two Double A is at Chattanooga Christian School. And all championship games will be at CHI Memorial. Um, if you go ahead, if you go to GoFan, you can get tickets for twelve bucks in advance. Uh, it's going to be fifteen dollars cash at the gate. Um, everyone school age and older must be have a ticket, and then um, pricing for parking is five dollars that will be charged the day of the tournament. There you go. And I believe you have uh, one more update for us. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So, Biggles Wade report, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, our good friends at Biggles Wade Town uh, fell to a farm borough, farmstead, something or other, uh, in the uh, FA Cup fourth qualifying round. So, they will not be making it into the regular FA Cup tournament. But it was a fantastic run for them, getting all the way almost to, to the spot there. Right now in the Southern Central Division One, where they play with Biggleswade FC, they are sitting at 12th. They have eight points in six matches. Of course, they've probably had a lot that had to be canceled uh, because of that FA Cup run that they made. Uh, Biggleswade FC, however, playing really well. They are in fourth place. They have 19 points from their 10 games. So a great run for them so far. And Biggleswade United sitting at eighth place, 16 points from nine matches. Uh, so they're off to a pretty good start as well in that top half of the table. And then a couple other, just throwing them out there. Uh, IBV, our friends in Iceland, where a uh, former Red Wolf, Sido Sayon, is playing. They have been able to avoid relegation, so they got promoted last summer playing in Iceland. They are now uh, going to stay up, so congrats to them on uh, avoiding the uh, relegation there. Uh, and then Hamilton Forge, uh, we're big Hamilton Forge fans because they are sponsored by Tim Hortons. Uh, you know us at Soccer Chat, we do love us some Tim Hortons. Uh, they are in the semis playing against Calgary uh, in the Canadian Premier League playoffs. Jeff, for some strange reason, has a uh, affinity for the Halifax Wanderers. Uh, they finished eighth out of nine. Did not make it to the playoffs. Well, if they were in Nisa, they might have. Seems like Jeff should uh, join us uh, with some Timbits in Hamilton Forge. That's uh, your Biggles Wade Report. I feel All like right. I screamed at everyone that whole time because the music was really loud in my ears. Yeah, it probably was overly loud. I did lower the volume a little bit, but not a lot. I'm not going to lie. Uh, all right. Well, you got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Well, then in that case, we have to do the sound that every wife that listens to this loves. Bye. Hey, we don't have Jeff here to say something like snappy and cool. It's disappointing. <laughs>